0: 7 Real Talk uh, This is your host Julian Perry once again On this episode I'm going to continue from the last one By popular demand And we're going to chat about uh, A few more things related to suicide And uh, mental health uh, Some bail reform And some other interesting topics So sit back and relax And I'll be right back So, good evening, everyone. Uh, Welcome to another episode of uh, 247 Real Talk Podcast. Um, It is Wednesday, February 9th, and it's about 10.48 p.m. I should be um, probably in bed by now. I'm back to work, and I'm getting up at 4.45 every morning, but... It's important for me to take this time out to record, and this is usually the best time for me to do it when it's nice and quiet and I have my thoughts in hand. Um, For those of you who follow this podcast from the beginning of the year, I did say that 2022 is going to be a breakout year. and We're going to approach some uh, topics that maybe are going to be considered taboo because other repercussions they can have sometimes of speaking about them, but it's time for a change. I've also decided that I'm going to start my show a little differently from now on, and I'm going to start my show with a serenity prayer. So here we go. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can and the wisdom to know the difference. Your will, not ours, be done. Amen. So, the courage to change the things I can. What can we change? What can we do for each other that makes life different, makes life better? From last week's show, like I mentioned, I got a lot of different comments and, and things that people sort of hints and, 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 you know, different things that people said. And so I'm going to give a little bit of time to some of those things on this episode. Again, trying to definitely not make it as long as last week's episode. But who knows? A few people reached out to me about that topic of suicides recognizing that even though that I touched on celebrity suicides in the last episode, that it is a crisis. You know, as I mentioned before, I get the extra TV um, email every day and there's always a celebrity like once a week that committed suicide. But, you know, someone said to me, imagine all the emails you don't get. Because we know for a fact that in this world of you know of billions of people in this country, United States of over three hundred and fifty something million at least counted people, um, most of the population that goes through suffering and pain and suicide, the stories are never known unless you walk into or or or, or reach the parent or sibling or someone who has gone through that they have, they have, they go through it alone they deal with the loss of their loved one by suicide and they and they bury them alone and then they live with the pain and we as a society we only seem to react when it's someone of status when it's someone of wealth when it's someone that of that's known we're doing a lousy job of addressing the issues and understanding the catalyst behind people committing suicide, and there, and there, there's obviously more than one. But the most recent one that a lot of us have encountered is what goes on on social media: the shaming, the bullying, the 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 ability of one human being to tear another one down to the point that they feel worthless, that they believe because there, there's no support system for them to, to hold on to that says you are somebody, you do matter. What someone else says about you does not matter. They internalize the pain and the, and the, 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 the cruelty of someone else, and then they feel like there's no way out. Life is so precious. Everyone listening to this podcast, I believe, has a desire to live. Two days ago, I know someone, they're part of a team, I never met them in person, but someone on the team I'm on um, that interacts via social media lost his battle with cancer. And when you listen to his wife describe the last few years, he lived longer than the doctors expected because he fought to live. He had bone replacements, he had surgeries, he had, you know, he, he, was, he was hacked up on, 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 on drugs to, to, to manage the pain. And he kept trying to live. Even when the doctors told him it was hopeless, he tried he kept trying to live. So have to have people who feel that they're willing to jump from a building. To drink, uh, to overdose, and you know, drink tablets, sleeping pills, whatever, to have someone feel that they're living in such pain that they don't want to live, has to be something that we as a society and as human beings must tackle. We must pay attention to the people around us. You always hear people say, well, you know, I didn't see any signs. They were happy. They were whatever. That's because we keep looking at the surface. That's because we're so busy with our own lives that we don't pick a few people around us to simply say, hey, how you doing today? Are you okay? Do you need to talk? I'm here for you. I'm not saying this is the answer or this by itself will work, but we have a crisis in our hands and this is just another one. We are supposed to be human beings. We, we, we are supposed to be social beings. We were put on this earth to live together. We weren't put on this earth to ignore each other, to be so self-centered and selfish that we can't recognize or don't even care to recognize that someone is standing right in front of us and they're suffering. Some of us are guilty of being a part of the crew that ridicules, bullies, and laughs at someone else, and we find it funny. I wonder what what kind of guilt the people live with when someone commits suicide from their bullying. Are they so narcissistic or do they actually find a guilt for what they've done? Again, I don't know the answers, but this is something that we need to address. We need to pay attention. We need to start one person at a time. I am... I am tired of the fluff that we see around us. And I'm going to touch on a few things on this episode that I'm just tired of, that have got me fired up, that have got me angry, that have got me sad, that have got me in all sorts of places right now because we as human beings should be disgusted with our behavior and ourselves. Look at what's going on with this whole Spotify issue. Let's change subjects for a second. I, I am. I am. It, it, it's it's amazing to sit back as a spectator and look at what's going on. So Joe Rogan on Spotify, I think a year ago or two years ago, they paid him a hundred million dollars to to be the sole, you know, Spotify to be the sole platform for his show. He has something like eleven million uh, uh, viewers or listeners per episode, or something like that. And of course, that means advertising dollars for Spotify—big advertising dollars. So then, you know, these artists of you know black, white—all start pulling their or asking Spotify to remove their work from from their platform because they're you know they're not doing anything about Rogan spend, spe- uh, spreading false information about COVID. And then it took a twist. It took a twist because Indiari, I guess, did a compilation of Rogan using the N-word. I'm not saying in what context. The fact is he used it. And so she asked to her music be pulled and asked other artists to follow her. Now, if you are not, I mean, even if, if you are a person of color, that's a horrible word to come out to your mouth. If you are not a person of color... That's not a word in this day and age that you ever want to repeat or even even speak. And there have been people in the history, one that comes to mind, I think her name was Paula Dean. She lost her show on TV because at some point years ago, she had used the N-word. And here is proof given that Rogan used the N-word. He apologized. Spotify, their position is they don't want to to do anything to him or censor him because they don't want to stop him from giving his position and his opinion. But do we realize what's going on here? About two weeks ago, Whoopi Goldberg got suspended from the view. Nobody gave a crap about her opinion. She got suspended from the view. For two weeks, because she talked about the Holocaust being a, a, an egregious act against humans, but not an act, not a, not a, uh, a race issue. Now, I'm not going to get into any discussion on this episode about that because I have had discussions. Offline with people, and you'd be surprised how it's looked at if from when you have a different perspective. My point is, she was punished for two weeks, and Joe Rogan is still there. Spotify doesn't want to touch him. It's the same crap over and over again. There's a different standard for colored people, and there's a different standard for white people. And this is not be being racist or against white people. again, I uh, everybody who listens to my show know that I don't have a problem with that. I've got friends from every race, creed, and color. The point is, this is blatantly in front of our faces. Why is there a difference in... She got suspended for two weeks. And 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 she didn't call anybody any name. All she said was, again, it was the Holocaust was an egregious act against humankind, um, but it wasn't an issue of race. That was her opinion, okay? There is an argument pro and con for that if people want to be open-minded enough, but the point is... That Spotify doesn't want to touch Rogan. Of course, you don't, because he means advertising dollars, and you don't really give a crap, because you know it's an it's 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 not an issue of a black person or, or a black or a black thing, right? It's 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 two two standards, double standards. And then, what really got me riled up about it was our former president. Donald Trump comes out and tells Rogan he needs to stop apologizing. You know, I, I don't I don't look at things at face value a lot of times. I kind of look for what's going on because I understand right now that people think you know Donald Trump is crazy, but he's not as crazy as he as you think he is. He calculates a lot of things that in in, in, in the most narcissistic way that people don't get. And they get caught up in this. He's a, he's a master of, of misdirection and deception, and people get caught up in it. Now, you have heard me on this show talk about things that I believe that he did that were actually beneficial as president. Things that he did, and I'm going to touch on those, you know, as part of this podcast before I end because there's, there's a few things that that he had the, the 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 temerity to stand up for that that this week. Um ineffective White House that we have now just not doing. And and again, um, it's not me not supporting the President Biden or whatever. The fact is that, I've mentioned it before, their PR sucks. It seems like there are a bunch of kids advising them. And it seems like, although, what is it, I'm looking here now, 81,284,666 people voted for him. They still don't get it. They still don't get what they need to do to support that base that voted for them. They still don't get that they need to stop being the typical politician who goes into office and the next day he's into office, he's already figuring out how to win a second term. But let's flip back to President Trump for a second. I said, you know, why would President Trump hear that Joe Rogan used the N-word and tell him to stop apologizing? And then there was a press conference the other day, and I'm saying, why would he go to this press conference, this is President Trump, and talk about the people in the insurrection being treated very badly, and then he, if he decides to run again, he may pardon them. You know, and to many people who just look at it, oh, he's crazy. No, he's not. Let me tell you what I believe is going on here. 81,284,666 people voted for President Biden. 74,224,319 people voted for President Trump. There's a 7 million person difference. I'm betting that he's already figured out that because this White House has stumbled and bumbled, Because the midterm elections coming up this year are probably going to see the Senate change hands back to the Republicans and who knows what's going to happen with the House. He's betting that in 2024, there's going to be enough disillusioned Democrats who will not vote because they voted in in record numbers and, and didn't get the promises that Biden made and didn't do any better under him. And he's betting that they're there are not only the amount of people who voted for him that's President Trump, but even some who didn't vote will vote will vote this time in favor of him, and that gives him darn good odds of winning so what he's doing every time he comes out and does this nonsense is he's playing to his base he it doesn't matter what he believes or whether it just matters that he knows. That he's managed to influence 74 million plus people who went to the point of, 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 of an insurrection on behalf of him. That is loyalty. I don't believe there's any such loyalty in the Democratic Party. And I believe that this White House is and this president is barreling quickly down a hill to destruction, to the end of to, to being a one-term president. In this day and age, you cannot make promises that you doubt, you cannot, you don't keep. Number one. Number two, we need a president. We need leaders who are willing to take a leap. We need leaders who are willing to put their their second term on the line to do what's right. We need leaders who want to make fundamental changes to make people's lives better and they may be surprised when they go to run the second time around how much the difference they have made in making our lives a little easier and better translates into votes for them. I am so disgusted by the the lack of action, the slowness, the horrible PR that comes out of our White House. As many of you know and most of you know, I am really, really, really upset with the lack of uh, follow-through and commitment by, by our current president and student loans. A lot of people were looking for relief. A lot of people have hung on his every word. A lot of people were actually looking for him to do even more than he said and to give them such relief that they could live. It makes no sense to to take federal funds that are paid for student loans and crucify your population with it. And I don't want to quote the number of how many people have student loans outstanding now because I would get it wrong. It's been fluctuating, but it's it's it's, it's in the millions. It's enough votes that make sure that the, that he gets reelected. But they're not focused on that. They're not focused. They're focused on you know the Build Back America bill. You know, all these things are great. Infrastructure build, all these things are great if they're beneficial to most of your society. I keep saying, don't build me new roads that I can't afford to drive on because the gas prices are so high, and I can't afford a car because I'm paying student loans. I can't get a job that 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 gives me enough income to live the way I need to to be able to meet my obligations. Retired parents are still paying student loans for their kids because their kids can't get a better job to to be able to pay them on their own. So now parents are struggling now on whatever they have as a pension to live and to meet these obligations for fear that they get levied or garnished if they don't. And we just go around in this stupid circle that we call governing and a bunch of people in washington fighting with each other over the most ignorant and insignificant things that are just an art of misdirection you've got the the, the republican party you've got people who are fighting of, of, about the insurrection in january where there was where there wasn't you know you've got this body that and, and this is what i think and i'm going to speak on this too i think the republican party i honestly think that most of them in their private homes don't support President Trump. This is my feeling, personal feeling. I think that most of them in public support him because he represents the best chance of them getting back in power because he managed to get 74 million people, record numbers to vote for him. And and they're going to ride his gravy train to the best of their ability. There are a few of them that are growing, you know, Mitch McConnell and a few people that are starting to grow a conscience now. And starting to call things to what they are and starting to go after their own party for censoring members of their party for having a difference of opinion on, on the insurrection. But the fact of the matter is these people are strategists. These people are looking out for their future, their power. They want power by any means necessary. And we are such a twisted society that that, that we don't really, you know, we've got 74 million people who really don't care if the president doesn't have moral ethics. That's okay. But on the flip side, President Trump was the one who put in the moratorium on the student loans. President Trump did a few things that he, you know, in that same a personality of doing whatever I want and I don't give a crap, he did a few things that actually helped people. And he offered up an opportunity for this new administration, the Biden administration, to ride on the coattails and ride it all the way to victory. And what have they done? Nothing. Come May 1st, the moratorium on student loans is over. And and millions and millions of those people who represent the 84,000 people who voted for him go back to a place of struggle. Go back to a place of uncertainty. Go back to a place now they've, they've become accustomed to the relief of not having to pay these student loans. Trust me, the lives have been better for it. But we got a president who can't see it. We got a president who tell you what he can't do about it. You gotta, whether you like him or not, if President Trump was there and he said he's gonna do something about it, by hook or crook, he would have figured out a way. And this is why He's such a challenge to anyone in in, in the Democratic Party. People might not not like his morals, his ethics, his behavior, the things he does, the things he says, the things he can't say properly. But somewhere in there, they look at the conviction of the things he has done and the things that that did benefit people and recognize that in in the midst of all that madness... We wish we had a president now who would actually do that for the people. I have nothing, you know, that that's significant prior to President Biden becoming president. All of the comments I make now are based on what I'm seeing coming out of the White House and how they're running this country. How, unfortunately, it's been his. It's, it's been. It's 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 a part of history that defines the ongoing weaknesses of the Democratic Party. Just as all the Republican Party can be considered ruthless, they're going to get what they want however they want it. And the Democratic Party will say, "No, we're not going to do that. We're going to try and pay fair even if we lose." Oh, that sounds nice, you know, in Mars and ethics. But you're in politics. And you've got the power to do the right thing. I was not a... I had my issues even with things from the Obama administration, but I I have to to give him credit for tackling universal health care even though it was one of the things that he was told would ruin him, and it hasn't. And the fact of the matter is it was not a perfect bill, but the point is he decided that was one of the things that would make a difference in many lives, and it has. If you don't have your health, you don't have anything. And he put everything on the line to accomplish what he said. So now President Biden, Mr. President, you've got the ability to affect millions of lives by removing the burden of student loans. The people who went to school are working here in the United States and are giving their expertise back to this country even if it's at McDonald's because you don't have anything in place to make sure that they, they get a good job or that you have no, no checks and balances to make sure that the degree they get is worth anything from the school they get it from. You know, each and every time I, 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 I record an episode and I, and I look up my notes, I say, you know what, I'm going to spend less time on student loans. And each and every time I don't because it is a, it is a people keep, sending me messages, people keep discussing with, with me, you'd be surprised how many people are in different stages of effect because of it. And then when we were talking about schools and, all, and, and things like that, then I was chatting with someone else and then this whole issue of class came in. And let me explain to you where I'm coming from. And again, I'm going to try to keep this episode much shorter. But the, the, what they were talking about is something that I have mentioned before exactly where I live. Basically, the scenario is, let me paint this picture for you. You live in a neighborhood where you pay high taxes. Let's, let's, let's pick a number, $13,000 a year. The guy next door to you pays I don't know, somewhere between ten and $13,000 a year you live on the border of the geographical line that defines, that separates two neighborhoods. So your neighbor next to you actually lives in in a different area, a different neighborhood. The school districts are are drawn out where they're defined by that neighbor, uh, that, that border with your neighbor next to you. So he's in a different school district than you are. You're paying the same taxes. You may be paying even more. Your house, if you were to try to sell it, would sell for, let's say, $450,000. His house next door to you will sell for $700,000 or $800,000. His house is smaller than yours, has less yard space, might be slightly older than yours. Your house... Visibly in every, and in every way, structurally, is way better than his, but his is worth $300,000 more than yours. Why? Because the way they drew the line, he's in a different neighborhood. And in that neighborhood, the school down the block that his kids go to is rated 9 out of 10. And all the resources of tax money and everything are put into that school district the best teachers, the best facilities and you live next door to him, that means that you, when you come out of your house, you are 20 feet from his driveway. And your kids have to walk down the block, past that great school, and go to the next school down the road that's rated 2 out of 10. You're not allowed to go to the school his kids go to because you're not in the same school district. You have to go to the other school up the road that none of your tax money and no resources are put into. Now, let's think about this for a second. Seriously, this is a problem across many areas in the United States because what they're doing is class segregation because people, people, minority people, middle class, whatever, even minority people looking to buy a home can only afford the home in that run in the four. Let's say the four hundred. For the most part, so they can only afford the homes in your neighborhood, because right next door that home is three hundred thousand dollars more. So people of wealth live in the neighborhood right next to you, and we know that wealth or what wealth looks like still in this day and age if you looked at it as a, as a, in terms of uh, ethnicity, in terms of race and color and creed, it's, 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 it's white and it's colored people separated. And by doing that, that invisible geographical line, you just separated the neighborhoods as well. So you'll find that the neighborhood with the $400,000 houses, you have more of a mixture of people. You'll have white there too, but you have predominantly colored people moving into that neighborhood because that's where they can afford it. Only one or two people of color can afford to go to the other neighborhood. And, and then you, they take the money, even though you're paying the same taxes or maybe even more than they are, and they're, they're taking the money and putting it into that school district so they get the best schools and your brilliant child suffers. So what do you do? Let's tie this together as minority parents who, who, who come home every day and, 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 and spend hours even though they're tired to do homework with their children and, and see how brilliant they are, what do we do? We want the best for our children. So we work another job or, we, or, we, or we, 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 we buy a used car and we do all these things to save money and we pay to send our kid to a private school because that's the only way they have a shot at the education that's free for the guy next door. So we further are, 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 are restricted economically. And could you imagine a parent who's sending their kids to pri- private schools are 18, 19, 20,000. They're a lot of money a year. Could you imagine sending his kid to private school, even if you've got more than one kid? You can't do for one that you don't do for the other, right? So could you imagine doing that? And then here we got this president who's saying, oh, by the way, May 1st, you're going to owe me my student loans too. Then I'm addressing the issue that the resources are not getting to every area in the United States so that children have an even playing field in schools that good teachers get to go to every school that they take care of the crime and the other things in the neighborhood and they place teachers where where you know based on on, on not on the color of your skin or your socioeconomic status but the fact that you have children there who need the same chance in life They have no scruples. What I'm saying to you on this podcast is not something that they don't know. It's something that's purposely done. Every way people of color turn, there's a way to suppress and oppress them. This is not a matter of race. And everybody know. again, I'm going to say it. I'm speaking the truth. I have no issue with any race. If, 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 if the world was a fairer place, if human beings made a fairer place and you chose 20 people from the top 1% of richest people in the world, if the world were a fair place, when you looked at them, you would see black, Chinese, Indian, whatever race you would see in there because they would have come from opportunity rather than segregation. Rather than systemic racism, a systemic effort to segregate and separate people, this is the same thing that happens with mortgages that it was exposed where two people with the same income, one black, one white go for the same mortgage with the same financial position, and one the white guy gets a huge mortgage, and the black guy gets very little or much less. This was proven this has been you know this has been examined up down sideways. It happened. I experienced it personally. This is not hearsay. I won't tell my story on the air tonight. Maybe I'll tell it another time, but I experienced it personally. It happens. It happened to me. And you look at the recent, when, when we had the George Floyd issue and they had the Black Lives Matter marches, and you looked at the people who were marching. You saw Generation Z And Generation Z was black and white and every race was marking was marching in support of BLM. That is hope. That is hope that sometime in the future the world will start to not see color. We'll see that the guy who lives in in Charlotte, North Carolina, and the guy who lives in, in Bedford style in Brooklyn deserve the same education the guy who lives in Beverly Hills and the guy who lives in in, in the Hamptons and the guy who lives in in Union there, Long Island deserve the same education, the same safety, the same opportunities. Brilliance has nothing to do with color. Brilliance is you utilizing the gifts from God and you get those no matter what color you are. I said to you, from the first podcast, this is a different time. This is a different year. No holding back. I don't know what difference I can make alone, but I know that I can do something with your help. Many of the people I know who are, who are faithful followers of this podcast have social media platforms. Some of them have thousands of friends on there. I know that everybody on your social media is not the same as you, but you do have like-minded people on there. I'm asking you to share this message with them and then have them share it with like-minded people as well. I want to get to the point where, I, where if I have to do a live or I can, get, I can do a live episode, I will, where people can call in, where I can have live guests, where we can discuss this issue and start building a movement, taking each issue... And we don't have to take one issue at a time. Choosing the most important, making the most noise. I am tired and fed up. I look at my children every day and wonder what will their future be like if we can't get them any kind of ability now to be treated equally, to have equal opportunity. I am living in the same nightmare of being in a neighborhood where I pay incredible taxes. Matter of fact, I pay more taxes than, than the neighborhood next to me that has like schools in nines and tens and my kids' schools. Once they go to middle school, they're in twos and fours. I don't know what I'm going to do because wh- what do I do? I have to pay for private school. How much more oppression are we going to put on people because of the color of their skin? Either make me, if I'm paying the same taxes, allow my kids to go to that school or take my tax money and get some of those same great uh, teachers and facilities and put them in the schools in my neighborhood. There is no excuse for that. It is blatant segregation. It is blatant systemic racism right in our faces and people just believe that we just have to take it. Not enough of us get involved. Not enough of us get enough of us to support some of us to maybe run for office, to do something different. Even if you don't run for office, if there be enough of us making noise, if there's enough of us getting noticed, if we join the brilliant minds that we have together and figure out ways to get noticed and voices heard when people at the top don't like it when noises get too loud from people at the bottom. It forces them into a position of discomfort and it forces them to make a change because now the spotlight becomes on a, a big issue for them, for their reelection, for them maintaining their power. The world's beginning to see their indiscretions. I'm tired and fed up. I can't continue to go down this journey and look at my kids and not do something. I can't look at your kids and get to the end of my life and look back and say, "Sorry, guys, I wish I had done something to help you." There are a lot of children out there in, in neighborhoods that are suffering. That are oppressed to the point where there's there's minority crime upon minority crime, and people wanna label it and call it all sorts of things and give it all sorts of blame. But the fact is, this 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 society we live in not only in this country but around the world wherever it happens they use the, this, this set of tools that they have politically they use the set of tools they have as, as, as rich people to create these environments that are suppressed and oppress people knowing fully well that in human nature the resulting behavior is going to be exactly what we see and then what they do they look at the minority neighbors and say look at them they're killing each other No one ever, ever, ever wants to get to the real reason and the real root of why. Because those who are conditioned to behave like that now weren't born that way. They were raised in an environment that taught them that way. We have to change it not just for our own survival, but for the survival of our children and our grandchildren. It makes no sense that after how many hundred years of slavery, after Martin Luther King, after how many other civil rights leaders dying and sacrificing their lives to make a difference, that we have a society where it is almost 50% divided by race, by racism and that right in front of our faces we can have issues like I said Whoopi Goldberg being suspended oh we don't want to do anything to Joe Grogan one said one was an act against humanity that was Whoopi Goldberg the other one used the N word (laughs) oh well we'll punish the one who said that the Holocaust was was a ghastly act against humanity because she said it was not a race issue and again That's going to be an explosive episode, but we're not going to punish the guy who used the N word and who's been spreading uh, false information that, like you know, could or could not have led to someone losing their life with from COVID. One's black, one's white. Like it or not, this is our reality. I urge you, and I'm going to tell you each and every episode. I want to see the numbers. I pay attention to them because I think that we need to make a difference. Everybody's busy. We get up early in the morning. I get up at four forty-five in the morning. We go through our day. We this, we that. We run with the kids, the school, the homework, and everything. At the end of the day, we just want to plop down in bed. I get it. For me to sit here and do this podcast every week and for you to do something to help me to make a difference means that it has to be a deliberate effort. Every day as I, I like to listen to 1010 10 Wins in New York and I, I hear the advertisements of all these different celebrities. Oh, I'm having a new podcast. We're going to talk with sports guys and we're going to talk with guys who used to be in SNL and we're going to... That's what they're, they're and, and immediately they get fame and fortune and, and, and a few million listeners because of who they are and they're off to the race running. None of those issues are going to change the value and the, and, uh, and the level of, 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 of quality of our lives. Listening to celebrities, that's fine. That's entertainment. And there's a place and time for that. Right now in 2022, it's a time and place and a call to action. I'm doing mine. I'm calling upon you to do yours. Thank you so much for taking the time to spend this time with me to listen to my passion, please, for help and to join me. I'm hoping you'll join me in this effort. A little bit, sharing it, speaking to someone about what we discuss. Having someone, the right person, make a difference goes a long way in this journey of ours. Thank you so much for supporting me. I am so humbled to see each and every week how many of you take the time to listen. Remember that you can listen to every podcast episode on your favorite podcast app. Continue to email me, send me messages, reach out to me at podcast at 247realtalk.net. That's podcast at 247realtalk.net. I look forward to doing this again. Until then, take care of yourselves and each other.